Hey, 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 welcome to another version of the Pastor Duke podcast. We are in Melbourne, Florida. I met a young man yesterday getting ready to preach, and uh, he won my heart. We were talking, chit-chat, how you doing? Good, just, just small talk, and all of a sudden, Jesus is in our presence, and I could sense that God has his hand on Wayne Valentine. Welcome to the Pastor Duke podcast, and I know my audience is going to love you and your story that God is writing, a story of redemption. Yes. And so uh, welcome, and uh just to introduce yourself a little bit, your your family, heritage, bloodline, upbringing, things like that. All right. Thank you for having me, Pastor Duke. I appreciate it. Um, as he mentioned, I'm Wayne Valentine. I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, of African-American descent, a great, wonderful family, very close, tight-knit, you know, um, a lot of love from there. So it was a lot of morals. Any uh, from the uh, what African American or uh, Jamaican? Any uh, just uh, American. Okay, African American, but just American. You know, for the most part, from the South. My dad's from North Carolina. My mom's from Brooklyn, New York. And, uh, my grandmother's from North Carolina as well. So, grandma have a big part in your life. Oh yeah, she um she started us. That's uh, my grandmother, Virginia Valentine. She started us. So she's she's the leader. She's passed on now, but she is the leader. We're going to meet her on the other side. Oh, yes, me. I definitely will. Yeah, so you were born in New York? I was born in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, New York. How about that? Yes, sir. I hear that could be a tough neighborhood sometimes. Oh, it was It was very tough. It was very tough coming up in um, Crown Heights, Brooklyn, you know, in the big city. Uh, very fast pace, you know, fast pace. So you kind of grow up fast. So I thank God for just my family trying to keep me a little slow, but. Once you once you go outside of your home, the world's out there. Game on, huh? <laughs> yes, it is. Game on after that. So, yeah. So, uh, what uh, in those early days? Your were you a church family? Were you? Were you in- uh, well, my I was a small child, and my grandmother she um went to church, Baptist church out there. I attended a few times with my mother, but for the most part, it wasn't a thing for us to attend church or be a part of a church body. Now nah, it, was, it wasn't a thing, but um, hindsight, my mom, she did have a personal relationship with God, though. She, mm-hmm. she had that, which I learned later on in life. But there were reminders along the way that she had a personal relationship because she always put some emphasis on it and spoke about it from time to time. You mentioned uh, morals. uh yeah, morals and values and standards. And I believe that she got those from God uh-huh. and gave them to us, as well as it being a part of just my family, you know, just having strong morals and standing on them. But I believe now, in hindsight, she got those, she got those morals from God, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, that's, uh, I, yeah. I think I know which book they came from. I believe I do, too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, was dad in the picture? Uh, yes, I knew my father, but I was he wasn't in the home. Uh-huh. So I knew my father, but he just wasn't in the home. Uh-huh. It was just my mom. She raised me. She raised seven of us, actually. Oh, my goodness. In the same home. And, you know, my dad was around, but when I was a younger man, um, I kind of maybe wished he might have been around more. Mm-hmm. But after a while, you kind of you go outside into the world, and you're just like, I'm out here now. And that's just it. Basically, I I kind of had a little bit of 
feelings about that as a younger man being emotionally immature. Like, well, if he doesn't want to be in my life, I'm okay. I'll be fine, you know. Foolish thinking. But he had love for me. He showed me love. He wasn't a big talker. Mm-hmm. He um he just showed love with his actions when he came around. He helped financially. He helped my mom a lot. My mom had nothing but good things to say about him. Wow. But um, he helped out a lot financially for my brothers and myself. So, you know, hindsight looking back, it's different now. But at that time, I kind of went off course. Mm-hmm. How about how old were you when he uh, departed uh, from being in your life every day? Uh, there was There was no point. That my father was in my life every day. Okay. There wasn't a point in my life where he was there every day. So you can kind of see, Pastor Duke, how that can be a thing you kind of get used to without even trying to. Yeah, and and, 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 in a neighborhood and in today's world, I I think it was 76% of African-American children are growing up without dad in in the home every day. Yeah. And I think in the uh, Caucasian community, I think it's about 50%. So. Uh, we're, you know, when I was a little boy, I did some research on this. I grew up in a racially mixed neighborhood. And when I was uh, a little boy, 1960, uh, 4% of white babies were born out of wedlock. Mm. Only 3% of black babies were born mm. out of wedlock back wow. in 1960. So it was radical change wow. in, yes. in the African-American community. Yeah. And when I was a little boy, uh, I think 90 percent of the Caucasians went to church. I think about 99.9 percent of uh, the African-American community went to church. And uh, boy, the 60s took a toll on all that. Yeah. So you're a little guy. When do you kind of start? And where, where do you fit in the birth order? Well, I'm the middle child. Okay. I have um, two younger brothers and I have four older. So seven of us all together. But just just growing up in the neighborhood, um, you know, Although I felt like that, I didn't have my father. I looked around, and there were actually my peers. They really didn't have their fathers. Yeah, like he was absentee. Like they were, no, they were nowhere around their fathers, or they were in prison. Mm-hmm. So when you're young, you don't know it. But my mother, thank God for her, she kind of let us know. Like, listen, you know, there's people out there without a father at all. Period. Yeah, they don't yeah. know him. They never met him. They don't want to have anything to do with them. So I was kind of torn between feeling like he's there, but he's not there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, Pastor Duke? I was a little torn with that. But, um, yeah, I'm the middle child, the fifth child of my mom. So How, how many? Six? Did I hear you say it's six It's seven boys? in total. Seven boys. All boys? All boys. We ha. You yeah. had to be tough. Seven, yeah, we, we grew up really tough, but we had to be tough for the neighborhood we grew up in. Yeah. And it helped us out a lot to... Um, be tough with one another without hurting one another, but just toughen each other up for when we go outside because the world is dangerous out there where I was growing up at. Yeah. Definitely was. Crack hit mm-hmm. in the 80s. Um, by the 90s, it was, you know, the love of money was very, very prevalent. And um, sin was just running rampant. So when you we just in a mix of things trying to make the best of it. Trying to stay alive. Yes. At that point, when you are outside... When you leave your home, yeah, you got to make the right choices, the right decisions, the right moves. There's a lot of peer pressures Mm -hmm. from the community. So, you know, it was tight-knit for the most part. But, you know, a couple bad apples in that batch, they could spoil the whole thing. Yeah, when you say spoil, we're not talking about uh, 
you know, getting a, you know, a, a smack on the back end. We're talking about uh, you get really hurt. Yeah, we're talking about real, real injuries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or worse. Or worse, yes. Yeah, it's uh, I I I'm kind of fascinated the term you talk about go outside. So it's a definite yeah. term. I mean, there's there's a safety zone in mm-hmm. in the house. But now, was it like a? Did you grow up in an apartment building? I grew up in an apartment. Uh, <laughs> it's I bet pretty much everybody. I mean, well, just um, you know, it was a three story apartment building. Uh-huh. I grew up in um. So it wasn't a high rise or anything. Nah, it wasn't a high rise, but it wasn't a project. You know, but at the end of the day, it was still a, it was still an apartment, small apartment. We were in there, but when you're that young, you don't know any different. Yeah, that's your world. So it's just you know you don't know any different. It's great. It's fun. It's amazing. I was a creative child, so I can entertain myself. You know, um, my mom did her best to make the home great for us, so we didn't go outside. So that was great. Like I said, it was a it was a safe haven, like you just said. Uh-huh. I remember growing up, uh, three boys in one bedroom in my house. How mm-hmm. was it at your place? Oh yeah, we um we had to share bedrooms. We had bunk beds uh-huh. at a point in time when we were small. We shared beds, and then when my brothers got older and moved out, you know, we had to share a room. So, you know, just the just the regular, just sharing beds, you know. But we're making the best of it. We don't know any different. It's love in here. It was love in my home. So we didn't really know any different. You know, there was there was um problems there. I mean with seven young men, how could it not be? <laughs> you know. I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but for the most part though, it was a lot of love there. Uh-huh. We had a big immediate family, so we hung out together a lot. Uh, aunts, uncles, cousins in the picture? Yes, aunts, my aunts, my uncles. Like yeah. we hung out together. We would go from my mom's to my aunt. She had a home. Uh-huh. So we would all be together. It was very tight-knit. My immediate family was very big. So it was very nice, and I grew up in that. And uh, some fatherly figure, uncles, any uncles in the picture? Uh, I have um, I have two uncles. Um, they were, yeah, I've encountered them growing up. It's love there. Like, they loved me. My uncles loved me. I love my uncles. They were younger, but everyone's fighting their own fights. And like I said, growing up when I was small, it was it was a lot of love. It was real great. That's so great to hear that. Yeah. And because I mean, you're you're in a tough environment. Yeah. And you got to have a a resting place, a yeah. safe place, because it wasn't safe uh, when you went out them doors. It it absolutely wasn't. It yeah. wasn't. You can't really tell though. So walk me into high school, kind of what's going on. And oh man, um, high school was great. High school was great as well. My um older cousin, he was a star star player at um Abraham Lincoln High School in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. So my cousin, I Corey, go to see the state championship games up in uh, the uh, up in Glens Falls, New York. Okay, and, uh, that's a team that uh, appears there quite often. Yeah, my cousin, my cousin, um, he played he played um basketball with Stephon Marbury, um, from Coney Island, who went to the league, um. So my cousin was really big at Abraham Lincoln High School. So my older brother went there. My mom encouraged me to go there. So we kind of, he kind of paved the way for us t- to go there and really blossom. So we were athletes. I played football. High school was amazing. Um, so many different cultures I had. I got to learn about going to a, a high school like Lincoln, mm-hmm. as opposed to a neighborhood zone school mm-hmm. that I would go to. So when I went to Abraham Lincoln, it was different cultures and. You got to learn about a lot of different types of people. So 
I got to say, high school was just great, man. Full immersion, cultural yeah. stuff, man. Yes, man. Just to learn about. But then you learn about characteristics. So yeah. those kind of transcend your culture. If you're a good person, you're a good person. If you got to, you know, if you if you happy, you happy. If you angry, you angry. Those are different type of things that everybody struggles with. So you get to learn about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not much church uh, growing up and uh, an awareness of God. Mama's kind of. Mm-hmm. Kind of hammering you up with the little right and wrong things as you were heading oh, yeah. out the door, going out into that world. Oh yeah, she ruled with an iron fist. <laughs> yeah, she. My mom's definitely put hands. Yeah, you know she didn't spare the rod. Yeah, she didn't. She, you know, she was, she was on top of that. Yeah, she, she, and I know she where she got that from as well. The good book. So yeah, yeah, it's in <laughs> the Bible. Know. Yes. So she didn't spare the rod at all. Yeah. Um, so playing sports, uh, any coaches kind of have a big influence on you? Um, I would say yes. But, you know, going back, I would have to go back to middle school because I played Pop Warner as well. Yeah. Because my mom kept us in sports. She went, I'm going to keep these boys yeah. off the street. You guys are going to do something. I got to keep you off the street. So uh-huh. we played football. And um, I had some coaches, Coach Pat, in my earlier years, Pop Warner, he was great. He was uh-huh. great. He used to, he was involved. You could tell he was involved. He was a great father. So he was involved in his son's life. Are you listening, men? Uh, <laughs> rise up, get involved with these boys in sports. I coached yes. baseball for four years, and some of those kids uh, are dear friends of mine today. Mm-hmm. I'm a generation ahead of them, but they, they don't know whether to call me coach or pastor <laughs> or friend. But uh, I, uh, I just encourage men to to pour themselves into young men yeah and, uh, he was great coach pat was great he um he was a younger father you know younger than my mom so he uh-huh. was involved he was a coach he was involved but he was great high school was um by the time i got to high school it was already about winning mm-hmm. you know it was winning and if you were yeah. a good player you were you know and i was a pretty decent player so that was a good thing college was like that uh, was a goal for you to maybe college was um well, I did music. I um, I had a music career early on in life, and I was a writer because I wrote poems when I was younger. Um, the funny part about it is, in my early grades, maybe second or first, I had a project, and I wrote a rap, and it was about Martin Luther King. So yeah. it's funny that this we're is, recording on Martin. It's Luther funny King's. we're recording now because the rap was about Martin Luther King, and I was about single digits i was like five six seven around there and i got an excellent teacher loved it told my mom that i had talent like this you know this is something he should nurture i noticed that immediately when i talked to you 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 have a good command of the english language yeah i mean it's stuff you know so when i was doing that that kind of picked up in middle school Uh writing my middle school was actually way more dangerous than my high school uh, I got to tell public, you that public school there. Yes, I got to tell you that, Pastor Duke. My middle school, my my sixth, seventh, and eighth grades. Oh boy, we was right across the street. My school, three ninety, was right across the street from the projects. So it was a, uh, you know, it can was you, rough. Can you share any scary experience? I mean, a couple moments? of a couple of friends that I grew up with were there was there was there were slicings, yeah, jumpings. People got jumped in, sliced. For some reason, it was an era of initiation for um, the Blood Gang. That's when they came over to New York, Brooklyn, New York, from Cali. Mm-hmm. They came over there, and 
then you know people started joining the bloods and that was an initiation you know you had to cut you had to cut somebody it's unfortunate but that was a reality so that was like my middle school so that was like you know you had people dropping out of middle school turning blood and living that lifestyle you know i didn't follow that path but it was all around you some of my friends did and you had to resist it yeah i mean i had thankfully i had six brothers we all knew I had too many brothers. I I say this to some people. I have too many brothers to join a gang. You know, <laughs> I have too many of them. Oh, we, man. you know, we weren't. We didn't consider ourselves a gang, but we had love for one another, and we'll fight for one another. Yeah. So I was under. I was always under the impression and knowing that I had my brothers, so I didn't really have to join a gang. But you, you just grew up in such a totally foreign world, from my listeners. <laughs> And that's why I'm loving having, yeah. having, having you share this because yeah. we need to be aware that the world is, is pretty rough, Yes, especially in some tough mm-hmm. inner city neighborhoods. Yes. What were some of the, the lures of the world there uh, in that, in those days? Oh man. Um, I mean, you drugs, yeah, everywhere, huh? partying, um, cutting school, you know, alcohol wasn't necessarily a big thing in um my middle school high school but people indulged but mostly drugs marijuana the the good part is growing up though we i was exposed to crackheads Mm -hmm. so once you see that and you see what it does to them you are like no Mm -hmm. absolutely not i'm never doing crack i'm never doing this because you see what it does to people but there was still you know weed you know marijuana that was around the pressures to cut school and not put school high. That was a big thing to to just leave school and just do whatever it else it was other than focus on your studies. You know, females. You know, that's a that's <laughs> Well, a so big. far I'm guilty of all the above. <laughs> <laughs> we needed Jesus, man. Oh boy, did we. Boy did we. Boy need did Jesus. we. Boy did we. Um boy did we need him. So the females were um it was fast-paced, Pastor Duke, very fast-paced. So you're doing things before you even realize you are. Mm-hmm. And if you're not sat down and guided, you're kind of making mistakes and tripping over your own feet before you even knew. Next thing you know, you're on your face. So just the fast pace of it, and it's the hustle and bustle of it, you know, to get ahead, you know, that's uh, that can be good or it can be very detrimental. Yeah. You know, it can yeah. be very detrimental, especially when you're being lured by a sin lifestyle, a culture Mm -hmm. that promotes it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just fascinated by uh, the world that you've been delivered out of. Yes. And um, it's so evident when you sit down with Wayne, he's clean cut, nice looking guy and dresses sharp. And uh, he's got a gentle way about him and uh, stands out and, People here at Beacon uh, ed, have grown to admire you and respect you, and I know you're kind of on a rebuild uh, time uh, season of your life. So, kind of pick up where, you know, you're kind of getting into the college age, young man. So, just kind of tell us well, your story. Okay. Well, um, I, you know, during high school, it started in high school because I failed off of the football team. My um my 11th grade year, and that was a crucial year for me. I came in ninth grade with a group of guys. We went to the championship that first, our freshman year, as freshmen together. The 11th grade was going to be our year. I failed off the team, 
an important part of the team. You know, I kind of beat myself up. You know, you looking mean at failed it now, academics. I failed academically off of the team. I didn't make the grades because of the oh, lures. Man. You know, by this time I'm, by this time I'm doing music full time mm-hmm. now. So I'm going. I'm doing shows. I'm performing. I had a business with my brother. He, you know, we, you know, he was ten years older than me. So you know, for the most part, you got to think the love of money is somewhere in somebody's mind. Yeah, mine's his because that's all that's out front. We need money. Mm-hmm. We have to provide. We have to pay for things. So I failed off doing music. I'm smoking weed that that year. You know, now I'm smoking weed. And then by the time 12th grade come around, I had a good year. I had potential scholarships, but I didn't graduate on time. So that I fell through. And then once that fell through, I went music full time. And then now I'm just in the culture. Now I'm selling weed. Now I'm I'm just want to make money now. Mm-hmm. So I'm making. I can think of crucial moments in my life where I made the wrong choice. You know, not a terrible choice, but the wrong well, one. Well, you're, you're speaking to somebody made those same wrong yeah. choices. Yeah. I, I, was, I, I was selling weed from 10th, 11th, tw- all through high school. High, yeah. pretty much all through high all school. All of my friends were. Yeah. But they were already out of school. Mm-hmm. But I'm still in school. And I'm, you know, the teachers love me. I'm I'm doing well, but I'm, my attendance is slipping, Pastor Duke. That's <laughs> what it is. If I would just yeah. stay in school... I'll be okay, but my attendance is slipping. The lore is getting its hook in me. Mm-hmm. The music, the clubs. I'm performing in clubs I'm too young to get in. Mm-hmm. I'm coming in with the band just so I can get in. Musician, I'm coming vocals. in with the musicians just yeah. so I can get in because I'm too young to be in this club, but I'm performing. Yeah. And I'm building fans. I'm I'm getting some type of attention and notoriety. Mm-hmm. And that changes you. Yeah, our old nature loves that. It I, changes yeah. you once you get these things. You get exposed to this some this type of attention and fame, so to speak, and people admiring you and looking up to you. It's and one of the things Satan tempted Jesus with, you know. Yes, you, f- sure you bow did. down to me, and I'll give you, I'll give you popularity. Yes. I'll, I'll give you power over people. I I yeah. had no chance to see any of this. At this point, I'm just in the world now i had no no idea that this is a spiritual warfare i had no idea that i'm making the wrong choices i'm just i'm emotionally immature i'm sexually irresponsible so all of these things are not a good cocktail pastor duke <laughs> you know what I mean? ah yeah you know yeah. what i mean so not, yeah. that's not a good that's cocktail. not a good cocktail. I've not heard that phrase, but I just stole it from you. Hey, it's not. It's not a good mix for me, you know. So, I, there were, you know, college was done. I didn't. I wasn't thinking about college. I was thinking about money, mm-hmm. and I believed that it was the love of money that made me continue to pursue things that weren't necessarily good for me. And um, yeah, it 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 gave me some type of popularity or. People admired me, I think now, in a certain type of way, in a certain light that wasn't the light of Christ. But it was a high. That was a high for me to feel that type of fame, feel that type of love. That wasn't even the real love. You know what I mean? It wasn't even a real, authentic, genuine, unconditional love. So you saying sex, drugs, and rock and roll let you down, man? Hey, man, it let me down. It was a lie. It lied to me. It lied to me. Yeah. I thought that that was it, and that lifestyle was it. 
Jagger told you, I can't get no satisfaction. You weren't listening, huh? You know what? Yeah, I wasn't listening to Mick no Jagger. No, was I. I should have. Uh, I heard I him, but I, I didn't listen either. I wasn't. I wasn't getting... I wasn't getting uh, fame or popularity. I was just getting stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so w- things are kind of on a downward spile. Spire, you're on a treadmill now. You, you you can make a buck, a fast buck here, and it's a fast lane. Yeah. Pick up the story, man. It wasn't a fast a fast downward spiral. It wasn't fast because at this point, I I'm doing I'm doing I'm doing a lot of shows. I'm cash, performing. Cash is flowing. Yeah, we're we're making money, but I'm neglecting who I am. I'm not I developing the, as a young man. I love the way you say that. Yeah, I'm 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 not developing who I am as a man, and and those things count. Late, they would they would tend to count or not count in a few years of my life. A few years passed by. Those things that I neglected and didn't pay attention to, they came back. And that was when the realization hit. So once the mindset changes for me, and then I realize I've been neglecting myself, that hit hard. That's when alcohol comes into play as a grown adult male who now has been sexually irresponsible, so I have children out of wedlock. I have my father's mother, my grandmother in my ear, like Wayne, congratulations on having a child, but you need to not keep having children out of wedlock. So all along the way, I'm not listening. I'm, I'm hard-headed. I'm doing what I want to do. And, it, and I paid for that, Pastor Duke. I paid for those things. I buried myself in sin. I buried myself in despair and regret and guilt and shame. And that, over time, yes, Pastor Duke, that brought me down. And I never, I had never not been a confident person i had never not been fully aware of my capability of the things that i've been given from god because i've been told it but now i found myself at a place where i feel like a failure like i've let everybody down i'm supposed to be the one that helps everybody financially everybody's dependent on me and i'm let everybody down then the guilt and the shame, and it just got to be so heavy, Pastor Duke. It really almost buried me. And this is, this is something most people don't know, even my close friends and family. Mm-hmm. They don't know that it got so heavy on me, but my decisions came back on me. My bad choices came back on me. The guilt from hurting some of the women who were hurt already came back on me. My relationships with my brothers were strained because of my choices in life. So you got to imagine that that thing can get so heavy that it can bury you. And that's where the enemy had me. Mm-hmm. He, had his, he had all of his hooks in me. Your story is riveting, and I know God's going to use it to speak to the hearts of those who listen. But not just that, they're going to share it with people in their lives who are where you were. So Jesus is going to show up here big time. Oh, I can't, yes. I can't wait to hear oh, yes. this he, um, part of the deal. Yes. he Because um, he's oozing out of you all over the place. The more I, just, I met you. Man, the word of God, man, I just, yeah, Christ is a, man, I just, I lose words when I think about speaking about him. So I just allow the spirit to do it. 
but I came to the end of myself. Um, I had been a functioning alcoholic for a little while now, um, working, but just functioning, barely getting by. One day, I was found on the side of a street. This is a little difficult to share. Um, I was found on the side of a street in a town in Maryland, and a lady called the ambulance because she thought I was dead, Pastor Duke. They came to get me. I went to the hospital. I woke up that next morning not knowing anything, and that was the first time something like that ever happened to me. And I, something hit me because I kept my Bible with me all of these years, traveling with me. I would open it. I would read it. But I wasn't listening. And I didn't have Christ in my heart. You know what I mean? So I can understand when my brothers or sisters think they know him. But they don't. Because I didn't accept him. I didn't receive him. At that point, yeah, something hit me. And I know it was him. And at that point, I had to get out of where I was. I had to leave there. I left. And now I'm I'm in a place where I'm struggling with these habits now. So now the alcohol is over me. It's the leader of my life. How can we shake this? I had some good God-fearing people along the way that brung me back, worked with me up until they couldn't work with me no more. And I had a friend say these words. They had to leave me at the feet of Jesus Mm. because there was nothing that they can do with me anymore. You know, God was getting ready to call my mom home. And I was the only person in my life I felt like loved me and knew me for who I was. And she showed me what unconditional love was. And guess what, Pastor Duke? It's not out there in the world. It's very rare. Amen. Amen. It's not out there. Broken heart. Yeah. So when I, I attended church at Beacon Baptist on... August 1st, 2021. Um, And I just felt this draw. I felt that I was the only one. They had the altar call. And at this point in 2021, people weren't doing altar calls in church. The churches that I've gone through sporadically over the course of my years, they weren't doing altar calls. I'm like, they have an altar call? I hit the altar June 18th, 1972. There we go. Those altars are pretty special. Oh, man. It was something special about the altar call, how they set it up there. And I was drawn, and I went. And I and at that point, I was led to Christ. The prayer was said with, I said the prayer, and I fully accepted. I've always been the type of person to commit and be strong-willed. But I had to submit mm. to God's will. Woo! You know? So <laughs> I was Come the in only or one. submit. Yeah, I was the only one. I left that day. A week later, he called my mom home. Oh. And now, usually I would just go out, 
maybe make some wrong decisions, maybe overdrink, maybe some drugs. But God did something so special for me through this time that I'm still going through. And I believe it's in John 16, 7. He sent the comforter to me. And the comforter comforted me through the loss of my mother. It wouldn't allow me to be down on myself. Yeah, I felt the pain. I felt the hurt. But he wouldn't allow me to be down on myself. He said, get into my word, you know. I forgave you. Forgive yourself. And now search my word. Follow me. And that comfort, it just helped me focus so much on the word of God and his promises. So, yeah. There's people pouring into you that are pretty excited because uh, they're watching uh, an openness of your heart. Because we, we, you and I have proven without Jesus, we can do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Yeah. I'm so excited about what God has for you. Uh, he's given you gifts. Uh, yes. Uh, gifts to write mm-hmm. that I, I haven't seen that part of the gift. I've seen the gift to speak. I mean, we're, we're experiencing that now. And um, he gives gifts for a reason to be used. Yes, he does. And as we die to self, that Jesus talked about that corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it begins to bear fruit, you yes, know, multiplied fruit. So what are some of your, uh, like right now you're rebuilding, you're working hard, you're mm-hmm. saving money, uh, you're waiting on the Lord, you're bearing yourself in the word of God, you're in the house of God whenever the doors are open and, uh, it's it's just uh, it, you're kind of a neat guy to hang out with. So <laughs> I appreciate that. I want, want to take you back to, to Sarasota, hang out with you, hey, rest of the I would winter, love that. But, uh, I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> but uh, uh, what are some of the things that you feel the Lord is focusing you on right now, day by day? You know, within you know a month, a week, a year. What what are the things that is in, in this rebuilding process? What 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 do you see Him doing? Well, a big deal for me, I know, is sitting still. Be still and know that I am God. Be still, Wayne. My child, be still. You, I was always a fidgety child growing up. I move around. He's like, no, be still and wait on me and trust me. So I'm like, okay. I've had trust issues that have been damaged from the world. But trusting him has been the best thing I've ever done. Um, waiting on him isn't always easy. <laughs> you know? Right again. <laughs> but he shows and proves. It's like, wait on me. It's in my time. So I just wait. But I'm active. Yeah, I'll try to be a good steward with my money now. He's blessed me in so many different ways. And some people only see the material blessings. But the healing inside, that's the best part. Money can't buy that. You can't buy that money. That's the best part. Healing you, healing me, I'm still in awe of that. The forgiving of myself. He forgave me. Forgive myself. Wrote your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Oh, goodness, man. He's coming to take you home. Oh, yes. Everlasting life's not too shabby. Oh, yeah. That's not bad, right? I'll take it. It's not bad. I'll take it as well, man. No fear. I grew up. I grew up fearless. Say that again. I grew up fearless, but I thought I was fearless then. He's like, "No, you're fearless now," and I'm ready, and I'm waiting, 
And I'm whatever he would have me do, I'm willing. Mm-hmm. I submitted to his will. And his love just wrapped me. His love, his mercy, and his grace just wrapped me in. I'm engulfed. Mm-hmm. At this point, I can't help but talk about how good my God is. Mm-hmm. I just can't help it. So, Cat Stevens did that song, I Can't Keep It In. I got to get it out. The world's got to see. They got to see it. See all the love. I said, can't keep it in. Yes. I, I, he didn't know Jesus when he sang that, but uh, you and I do. Yes, we do. And we can't keep it in. I just can't keep it in, Pastor Duke. He just tells me every day to be the light. Be a light. You know, uh, Wayne, you're a young man, and uh, I think God's got an incredible future for you in his kingdom work. But I'm an old man now, uh, 69 years old. (laughs) (laughs) I still feel like a kid sometimes, but uh, you know what you're saying? I got to learn to wait. Mm -hmm. I'm rejoicing. Everything that you're saying about where you're at, you're always going to be there. That's where I'm at too. (laughs) Wow, really? So it isn't like you graduate from this. Okay. You are uh, at his feet. Yes, and you know what not to do. You know, we don't always know exactly what he's, what door he's going to open next, but he will. I thought as a young man, I'm going to go to England as a missionary. I wound up <laughs> going to Half Moon, New York, suburb wow. of Albany. I'm going to marry this girl. God said, nope. I'm going to marry that girl. God <laughs> said, nope. And, uh, boy, in the right time, he, I married up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you met my wife yesterday and uh it's been it's been a good run yes and uh so that that part is never going to change but enjoy uh i tell people just enjoy where you're at enjoy jesus now he's coming back we have everlasting life we get new bodies you're you look like you're still young and strong and the new body's not a big deal to you but <laughs> to old people <laughs> it's a big deal dude <laughs> i get it i get it he has me taking good care of myself, Pastor Duke. Yeah. I'm like the best I've ever been in my life. I'm the most responsible. I'm the most loving. I'm the most understanding. And I just, every day he has something new for me. Mm-hmm. A new perspective, a new understanding, a new love, a new way to show grace and mercy. And I, I, I know that he has some things for me. Mm-hmm. Because I have some perspectives and some viewpoints, like, to share but he has me guarding my tongue. Mm-hmm. He says, when it's time for you to speak, you will right now. Yeah. More important, uh, you know, you got to be living it and be really rooted and strong and stable. God told the, the great prophet Elijah right up front, he was on fire and he stood before the king Ahab and gave the message from God. And then God said, hide thyself. That's where you're at right now. You're kind of hiding yourself in a sense. You're at the feet of Jesus. You're soaking up the word of God. Uh, You're getting, you're seeing the world now through his lens. Yes. You know, the drugs are gone. The booze is gone. The lies are, are, they're out there waiting for us, but we've learned, we've learned the hard way. And we recognize those lies now and we, we reject them. They told him to hide himself by the brook chair. There wasn't anybody there, but the Lord was showing up every day and supernaturally feeding him. He was learning. He was growing, learning to trust God. And uh, I know 
people coming out of a mess like you and I have come out mm-hmm. of, when we find Jesus, pretty overwhelming. Oh, yes. I mean, the word forgiven. <laughs> I haven't gotten no, It's been 50 years now. I, I, I can't. I, I, I'm not over that. I, I'm forgiven. Yeah. But then he said to the prophet Elijah, hide yourself. And then he, he said, go, uh, the brook dries up. He moved him. And God will keep you where you are now and learn what you need to learn now. And then he'll move you somewhere. And it wasn't a fun place where he moved him. Uh, but he, I will sustain you, he said, to a widow at Zarephath. And she had a little boy, and they were just about to starve to death. And the prophet had to say, feed me first. Mm. And then the Lord will take care of you. And she's like, okay. And she fed him. And the cruise of oil and flour and meal never ran out. And now he's experiencing God together with some other hurting people. There's a lot of hurting people out there that are going to benefit from your story. Um, About 5,000 people will hear this in, uh, once it goes up, it'll be a few I'm couple excited weeks. for that. I'm excited. And I for can't. That. Uh, hey, send me feedback. I'll hook you up with this guy. Hey. Pray for him to to be uh, powerful in the African American community. You really needed your story. Is unfortunate. There's millions of other young men that mm-hmm. have gone down the same road, but I think you've got quite a quite a gift that God will use. Just being able to speak your humility to share. Your stupidity, <laughs> Basically, you know, yeah. we fell for the devil's lies, but that was then. And this is now. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Jesus says now is the time. And then he took, <laughs> there was a widow Zarephath. And then that was kind of humbling. And boy, God was showing up and she's like, you, you represent the real God. This is for real. And he's like, yeah, this is cool. And he's sharing God with her and she's a believer and her boy. And I think the boy died. And then God, he raised him from the dead. That was pretty cool. That's pretty and, cool. Uh, and then uh, God said, go show yourself. Mm. Go show yourself to the king. And a big challenge with the prophets of Baal and the whole nation was wow. watching. So God's hiding you right now. He's showing up. He's speaking to you. You're listening. You're enjoying him. Yes, I'm loving him. And uh, then you'll be sharing it. You already, you already begun that part, sharing it wherever you go just guardedly and mm-hmm. when to speak, he'll show you, but there's coming a time. I promise you go show yourself. And I remember hiding out cook road Baptist, uh, <laughs> and Friday nights I'd be out partying. And now I'd, I'd go to the youth rally and go sit. And, but you know, even when I was going to work with the young people at the church, they could see that God was changing my life. And then uh, the, the period of hiding myself at Bible college, just learning, getting God's word in my heart, memorizing his word so I wouldn't sin against him and just learning about myself and how vulnerable I was and still am if I I just need Jesus on the throne now because I know what I am without him. Yeah, I'm same. And then uh, go show yourself. And uh, those of us who who have getting to know you uh, that are your older brothers, and sisters in Christ, we're uh, we're excited for you, and uh, I don't know what that will be, but God's got you in a place right so here gross. at Beacon that will fill you up, and there'll come a time they're going to send you out. <laughs> God's going to show you. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm uh, excited for it. I really am. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting on them. I'm trusting them, and that's been getting easier to trust them keeps his word. 
got about five more minutes. Just think about um, what part of Jesus, what part of church, because it was what I mean. It's a whole different world, man. Yes, it is. <laughs> That's what I felt when I went to church. I went to church, man. Yeah, and nobody's trying to buy drugs at church. You know, that was cool. <laughs> I felt safe. The cops safe. Felt, followed me to church for a few weeks, th- thinking it was a diversionary That's tactic insane. on my part. That's insane. You know, and and now what? What it, you, you're coming in, kind of from the world. God's visiting you. What 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 are you feeling at church and and in the Word and this stage here? Uh man. Um, at church when I go to church, I just be I just get fed, fed very well every time I go to church. Every time I attend Beacon, you know, Pastor Wayne Gwen, he's Pastor Buddy. Like these guys are helping me put it together. You know, they help me put it together with my own studying. I bring that to church, and it just makes perfect sense. You know, the studying and the time that they dedicate to putting these messages together for us, that's just amazing. That's care. That's love, you know. So just coming to church and being a part of this Beacon Baptist family, is it's been great. It's a lot of support, just a lot of opportunities, just a, a openness, a freedom, just they want to see you grow here. They want to see you blossom through through Christ. They don't want to hold you back. They want to see you elevate. And then the world wants to hold you back. The world wants to yeah, huh? bond, keep you in bondage. The world wants to lock you up. They want to tell you no, no. But out in here, I'm just I'm free in here. So I love attending this church. I love to um, listen to the to the word and. And you, Pastor Duke, you've been blowing my mind. <laughs> that Sunday, I'm looking forward to um, this evening and these next couple of days, brother. Yeah. Yeah, you um prophetic junkies, huh? Oh, yeah, man. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm being fed. And you're opening my eyes to a lot of new things and um, a lot of new scriptures, too. So that's exciting. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. Just, just uh, let the Bible wash your brain clean mm-hmm. and uh, to... Uh, connect the dots. I, I heard you use that phrase. I, that's a phrase I love connecting yeah. the dots theologically, you know, mm-hmm. that Christmas story. We just kind of came off Christmas here recently. You sure know. did. What a story, huh? Yes. It wasn't no coinky dink. Oh, not at all. Have you added the word coinky dink to your vocabulary? I don't think I've <laughs> added the word coinky dink. It's in the dictionary, man. <laughs> Maybe I could put it somewhere. Yeah. Maybe I could put it somewhere. Yeah. It's just, but, uh, they're glad to have you. That's what church is all about. Uh, it's it's a hospital for hurting people. Sure is. And we get uh, shored up and um, rescued. We get rescued. And um, people saw in me, I, I remember I was shocked. I remember Jim Bailey at uh, Cook Road Baptist Church. He was 51 years old. He became my first Christian friend. I tell my wow. mom, I'm going over to Jim's house and... And, and she said, man, you've been going to Jim's house a lot. You know, his mom's going to get tired of you. And I said, no, his mom's dead. <laughs> He's, she's dead. What? And I said, yeah, Jim's 51 years old. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's got a wife and a house, man. And a, it was fun. And she could cook. And they just people in the church pulled me in and, and, and filled me up. Uh, they, they just loved on me. And we'd stand out under the streetlight after church was out and done and they talked to me about Jesus, man. I just had a million questions, and I just that that was my life, my whole life. It was my life center, and I felt safe there. And I was uh, getting away from the temptations of of, of doing drugs, and I, I knew that fast money 
you know, I could work uh, 40 hours at the, at the restaurant and bring home 85 bucks, mm-hmm. or I could, you know, get a couple, uh, I could get a kilo of, of, of weed and, you know, and, and, and make a quick five or 600 bucks, you know, and that's back, that's like 50 years ago. Wow. So, uh, that, that fast money. And, uh, but I learned that that fast money and, uh, that way of life and jail time, I'd ever wanted to go to jail. I came really close. I had some very near busts and, uh, God kind of used that as my wake up call. So, man, I see so glad to see you woke up and, uh, yes. and, uh, all that past God is in the process of redeeming. He takes the mistakes that we've made takes my sex, drugs, and rock and roll background and uses that for me as a preacher. I still do youth camps with mm. teenagers. The hippie stories never go away. And your stories of growing up in your hood, yeah, uh, that people need to hear it. That testimony. He used these to, he yeah. uses that testimony for good. He's writing a story through you. Definitely is. Sir. Question, Pastor Duke. Yes, sir. What color is joy? What color is joy? Yes. Oh man, purple's royal. It's it's all colors, man. What color is meekness? Uh, I don't know. That's because these are fruits of the spirit. Yeah, the fruits of the spirit transcend color. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's why I was fumbling for words. You're right, man. You know what I'm saying, brother? These are yeah. fruits of the spirit. Yeah, this is mostly spiritual out here. Yeah. What color is kindness? <laughs> Yeah. It's a fruit of the spirit. You know what I'm saying? Like these transcend skin color. Yeah. These are just beautiful attributes of God. Fruits of the spirit he gives us. That's one of the things here at Beacon. There's a, a, a good racial mix. And I've seen Hispanics here. I preached here last year. A Jewish lady came to Christ. and <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Red and yellow, black and white. They hey. are precious in his sight. Oh and, yeah, uh, I agree with that. Agree I'm with excited that. what uh, what God has done in your life, but I'm even more excited about what He's going to do in the spirit that you have of humility and kindness uh, and dependency upon God, and uh, not going after the fast buck mm-hmm. because you can gain the world and lose your own soul. Yes, you can. And uh, I went down that road. Uh, for a while, not too long, but um, I was rescued. So have you, and so God's got something up his sleeve. I want to ask our audience to say a prayer for this good-looking young man. Uh, got fires burning in his heart. I'm going to pray over him, and uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for what you've done in Wayne's life. We are excited about what you've got in store. I pray you'll build a mighty opportunity for him to be a great kingdom player use him to turn many to righteousness and bring those fruits of the spirit to to multitudes thank you lord for what you're doing rebuilding his life lord he's easy to man to love and uh, we commit him to your care in jesus name amen 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 thank well, you my young brother thanks for taking your day off all right thank you pastor Duke coming up to the me. preacher's office here at beacon baptist church in melbourne florida oh yeah and, and uh so final word god bless everyone amen amen hey you're gonna spend eternity with this guy and uh, we're gonna find out what god did have up his sleeve lord bless you we'll be in touch all right bye bye now for now Later.